Good morning, church family. How are we doing out there? Nice. Good morning. It is good to see you. Uh, it is good to look around a full room. It is good to see our church family of all ages. We talked about this a little last week, but I love being a multi-generational church family, and I love seeing our families uh, 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 gathered together. And, and I look into the camera, and I greet you as well, Faith Church family that's out there online, and I'm thankful for you gathered around your TV or your computer and prioritizing being together with church family. Um, what an opportunity we have, and, and we're making the best of it, and it's a little different these days, but we're, we're, we're doing it. We're, we're getting together, and so it's good to see you uh, in person. It's good to see you families with kids here in person. Thanks for, uh, for doing the hard work of getting to church and making that a priority for your family. And again, same for you that are joining us online. Thanks for making it a priority to log on and to watch and to hear what God is doing and to still be part of your church family. So, Welcome. <laughs> Good to see you. All right. Hey, we're in, a, we're in the middle of a series of messages, and we've titled this series, Follow Me. Just last Sunday, this Sunday, and next Sunday. That's it. Three parts. And we've titled this series, Follow Me. So I have some questions for you here as we start. When you think about those two words, when you think about that phrase, if you have been a follower of Jesus for any time, and you have heard and you think about this phrase, follow me, what comes to mind? What do you think? Is this phrase boring or spectacularly, unbelievably amazing? Is this, is this phrase trite because we've heard it before, read it before, passed over this phrase before? Or is it unbelievably meaningful if we think about it? When you hear the words, follow me, is it, is it been there, done that, been there, heard that? Or could we admit that this is taken for granted if we're not careful? Jesus' words, follow me. God became flesh and dwelled among us, and he calls you. God himself, the Son of God, invites you. The long-awaited, promised rescuer that God's people had looked forward to, Jesus arrived on the scene and he offers this incredible opportunity. He offered this opportunity to his followers 2,000 years ago and he arrives on the scene today at Faith Church and offers this opportunity. The Savior of the world says to you, Church family says to you this morning, follow me. The gospel is the good news that God rescues sinners like you and me through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Have you responded to Jesus' invitation? Have you heard those words, follow me? Have you responded to the spectacular news of the gospel that God doesn't leave us stuck in our sin but made a way for us to be made right with God, forgiven, put back in relationship with God, and be transformed into a new person? Have you responded to this? I'm not talking about one time in the past, but do we respond to Jesus' invitation daily? The creator of the universe wants to know you. He wants you to know him and he wants to make you a new person from the inside out. 
Jesus' invitation to us that we're thinking about in this series is, follow me. And so we're taking three weeks to think about some different aspects, some different uh, things about being a disciple or a follower of Jesus. What does it mean to be a disciple? What, what are some things that should shape my life as I follow Jesus? We want to we grow. Church family, do we want to grow in the ways that Jesus wants us to grow? Do we want to grow spiritually, not just when we became a Christian, but we want to continue to grow daily and as we follow him? We want to learn the ways of Jesus. And so this series is kind of giving us an opportunity to read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to read the story of Jesus on this earth, Jesus hanging out with his 12 disciples especially, but also with more people. And in this series is giving us an opportunity to learn the ways of Jesus by thinking about what it would have been like to hang out with Jesus. How did Jesus make disciples? How did he help his followers grow in him? That's what he wants to continue to do with you and I. So open your Bible if you haven't already and turn with me to the Gospel of John. to the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are stories of the life of Jesus. And I want you to turn to the book of John in your Bible app or in your Bible on your lap. Open God's Word and follow along with me. We like to keep our finger in the text. We like to keep our finger in God's Word to hear from Him. So as you turn there, I just want to summarize a little bit from last Sunday when we started this series. Last week, we talked about Jesus' story of asking us, urging us to build on the rock. He told us that our lives are to be built on the foundation, the solid foundation that is him. The rock refers to Jesus and his words and his exhortation, his encouragement to build our lives on the rock is a call to obedience, that we as followers, that obedience matters, that as followers of Jesus, we are to hear his words and put them into action, to know what Jesus says and then to do it. And so last week, that was our emphasis. If, if, if Jesus invites you to follow him, one of the things we want to do as we grow in him is spend time with him. So my hope and my prayer for you, church family, is that you have a commitment in your daily routine and your weekly routine to spend time with Jesus in God's word, in prayer, growing as you seek to know him more. And then we have an opportunity, as we've already talked about this morning, to help each other as a church family. Faith Church exists to help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Not to just become a follower of Jesus and then stand still, Faith Church ex exists to help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. That means that for me, no matter how long I've been a follower of Jesus, he still has more for me. Convicting me of sin, helping me to change, seeing where I, where I need to trust him more in my life. And so our church exists to help people grow in Jesus. And, and, I, and I encouraged you three things last week. That if you want to plug into this church family, if you want God's help to grow in Jesus, there's lots of ways that this church can be part of your spiritual growth. But if we were going to just quickly emphasize three things, the three things I would mention to you would be commit to being part of Sunday morning worship. Whether you're here in person or you're gathered around the TV at home, make this a committed part of your life. Number two, we would encourage you to be part of a life group. Join a life group. Make the church smaller, so to speak. 
instead of just a large crowd of faces that we sort of know, find a place within our church family where you can interact with a fewer number so that you can know others and be known by others. We're going to talk about life groups a little more later as well. And the third thing I would encourage you to is to find a place to serve. God has made you unique and special and with gifts and with strengths and with energy and talents and passions to use to his glory to serve God's people and to serve him. So these are just three. That There's more ways that, that our church exists to serve you and to help you. But if I was giving you those three, just, those are the three we would highlight. Feeling like if these are part of your life and routine, we believe it will help you become more like Jesus. So that's where we've been a little bit last week. Now what are we doing this week? This week, this Sunday, this morning, as we listen to Jesus' invitation to follow me, we we are going to discover that following Jesus makes us part of his family. And that being part of his family gives us family. Family more than we would have ever imagined we would have. And so let's take a look at that a little bit this morning. Um, John chapter 19. Uh, On the screen I said we would start at verse 26, but let me just jump down to verse 30 with me. John chapter 19, verse 30, so we have context of where we are in the story of the life of Christ. Verse 30. At the end of verse 30, it says, Jesus said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Verse 30 is Jesus' death on the cross. Him submitting himself to the Father's rescue plan. God himself didn't need to die, but willingly offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins so that you and I could be made right with God. So verse 30 tells us where we're about to join in the story. That in verse 30, Jesus dies. So now go back with me to verse 26, just before Jesus' death. And let's read John chapter 19, verse 26. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, this is a way that John refers to himself. (laughs) The apostle John was one of Jesus' closest friends and knew that Jesus loved him. And when John refers to himself in the gospel, this is one of the ways he does that. So when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, Jesus said to his mother, woman, behold your son, referring to John. And then he said to the disciple John, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his home, to his own home. We're going to take a little closer look this morning at this really, really interesting and important dialogue exchange while Jesus is hanging on the cross, about to breathe his last earthly breath. He's thinking of his earthly mother, and he makes arrangements for his mother. And I want to see what that means to us today and what God might, how God might encourage us with that this morning. I mean, first of all, there is kind of a practical level here, Right? This was, this was a, there was a practical thing that Jesus was doing back then, and it would be similar to arrangements that we make at, at end of life, is Jesus here on a very practical level is, is honoring biblical exhortation to honor one's father and mother, to, to provide for Mary. He, she is very likely widowed by this time because there's no mention in a couple of, in, in different places in the Gospels, there's no mention now of Joseph very likely widowed at this time. Mary could be in her late 40s, early 50s, 
and with really very little income and in a culture where she would need care and provision. And so Jesus, on a practical level, is arranging for that. But I think there's so much more going on. There's more going on in terms of what what that exchange teaches us and what that exchange means to us. So I want to suggest this morning that there's three reasons, at least three reasons, why Jesus connecting John and Mary as family, why I want to suggest at least three reasons why Jesus doing that is is a tremendous encouragement to our faith and to us today. Okay, so number one is this. If, If Jesus was so eager to care for his mother, then how much does he want to care for you, his followers? If Jesus was so eager to care for his mother when she had need, how much more eager to care for his followers who hear the word of God and obey? How much more does he want to care for you as well? Now, at first, that might strike you a little like, well, why do you say that? You know, why, why can I say that? You, you might think, well, yeah, it's, it's understandable. He cared for his mother. Of course, he's going to uh, uh, make an arrangement for her and show care for her. So what does that have to do with us, followers of Jesus, 2,000 years later? Why, why would we think that Jesus cares and loves us just as much or more as the actions he just took to care for his earthly mother? How do we know that? Well, I'm going to suggest that there's passages of Scripture that give us some indication here of, of Jesus' care for you and me, his followers. And one place is in Mark chapter 3, verse 31. You can turn there if you'd like, or I'm just going to summarize and kind of read it. Mark chapter 3, verse 31. This uh, story is found in multiple Gospels. And and I think this is an interesting reminder for us as, as to how Jesus relates to us, his followers, those who hear and obey him, those, who, those of us who have put our trust in Christ, those of us that have found life in Jesus, that li- live for him and follow him. Verse, Mark 3, 31. And Jesus' mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to Jesus and called him. And a crowd was sitting around Jesus, and, they said, and the crowd said to Jesus, Hey, your mother and your brothers are outside, and they're looking for you. And Jesus answered, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking around at those who, who Jesus was teaching, those who had gathered to surround Jesus, looking around at those who sat around him, Jesus said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, this is, this is similar to our emphasis last week of obedience. Whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. And I don't know about you, but at first this story strikes us as a little bit odd or we might get a little offended. <laughs> at first it feels like Jesus is perhaps setting aside his earthly family or if he's somehow offending or being rude to them. And I don't, I don't think that's what's happening here. There's a different emphasis here. It's not that family of origin, household, nuclear family is not important. He's not rudely saying, who's my mother and brothers? He's making a different point here. It's not that family is not important. The Bible's clear in plenty of places, right? That that we are to love others, including our family, and provide and care for the family that God has given us. But the Bible is also clear in multiple ways, in multiple areas, in multiple scriptures, that Jesus often expresses that obeying God and living for him is to take priority. That that our loyalty to God, 
that our loyalty and, and obedience to Christ is to take precedent over even our earthly family relationships. Jesus is to be first in our lives. So when Jesus says, who are my mother and brothers? When, when they come looking for him and he says to the crowd, who are my mother and brothers? He's not cutting down his mom and brothers. He's lifting up the idea of obedience, the importance of being those who hear and obey, for being followers who know his word and put it into action, whose lives are changed because they do what he says. Those who hear the word of God and do it have more. This is incredible. This story tells us this, that those who hear the word of God and do it have more ready access to Jesus' fellowship and Jesus' care and help than his own family members. That's huge if you're a follower of Jesus. That means that if you have submitted your life to Christ, if he is your Lord and master, if you've realized that you can't do it on your own, that you can't save yourself from sin, that you need to receive the gift of salvation that God offers through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, if you have become a Christian in that way, you have access to God. You have more ready access to fellowship with Jesus and his help and care than his own earthly family. This is incredible. And so what a picture of, of the importance and the reality that we have of spiritual family. We love and appreciate, with some difficult exceptions, I realize our earthly families, we, we love and appreciate that God has given us the gift of, of earthly family, of, of households, of, of nuclear family, of, of those connections. And, and I know some of those are difficult. But this is, these reminders this morning is that in Christ, you are in God's family and you have family. Family. You have family and so therefore you can be family and so therefore you can enjoy family and benefit from family. What if it was Jesus standing here, not me? <laughs> What if it was Jesus standing here with us gathered around him and someone asked him about his family? How would you feel, put yourself in the moment, if it was Jesus standing here teaching and you had gathered around him and someone asked him about his family and he stood here and he looked around at you and he said, here, here is my family. Do you feel that? Did you put yourself in the story? Jesus looks around at those who are obedient to him, those who have submitted their lives to him, his, his children. He looks around and he says to you, here's my family. So the first reason we've talked about this exchange on the cross where Jesus connects his friend John and Mary, his mother. We've talked about we're going to talk about three reasons why I think this encourages us. And the first one we're done with. The first one was that, um, that if, if Jesus provides for his earthly mom, how much more does he care for you? Number two, the, reason that, the number two thing, this is an encouragement for us, is that, that think about where Jesus was when he provided for Mary. Think about what was going on with his earthly body 
when he made that arrangement. Jesus arranged for Mary. Jesus cared for Mary. Jesus did this incredible thing of making sure she had family while he was in the most horrendous, excruciating pain in the deepest humiliation of his human life. Where is Jesus now? Exalted and lifted high, doing just fine, thank you. Seated at the right hand of the Father and reigning over all things. If Jesus cared for Mary in her moment of need, and that was his situation, now that he's doing much better, how much more can he care for you? Now that he is high and lifted up, how much more can he provide for you? How much more is he active and involved in our life and listening to our prayers and and interacting and using and moving and shaping and, and guiding our lives? The number three reason I think this this cross conversation is important and encouraging to our faith is that it illustrates the importance of the body of Christ, the church. I mean, think about the situation again. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's about to die. He's about to breathe his last. And he looks to one of his closest friends, the disciple John, and he looks to his mother and, and he connects the two and says, I'm going to be gone. You're going to need each other. And so let's, let, let's think about this for a minute to help that encourage us of the importance of church family, of the body of Christ. The, the, the Bible refers to Christians everywhere as the body of Christ. As everyone who has become a Christian is in God's family, the body of Christ, and, 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 you know, what would we have expected Jesus to do? Where would, where would customs at the time, cultural customs, expectations of where, where Mary needed to receive care, what we would think, what custom would have called for, was for, for her other sons, Jesus' brother, Jesus' brothers, to be entrusted with Mary's care. And so we don't know exactly what's going on here. Whatever the reason, Jesus does not put Mary in the care of his brothers. Jesus instead says, you know you. and You know her. Whatever the reason, Jesus creates this new relationship between Mary and John, and it illustrates for us our need, our benefit, our enjoyment of the body of Christ. We have family. Do you know that? If you are in Christ, you have family. Family that you don't know about. Family that you do know about. Family that are a blessing now and that are going to be a blessing in so many ways you don't even know yet to come that God wants to use in your life. As as Jesus invites us to follow me, we need to grow in him so we discussed last week especially, we need to hang out with him. We need to spend time with him. We need to learn what he says so that we can obey. And this week our emphasis is that as Jesus invites us to follow him, as we follow him, we become part of a family. And that gives us family. So I, I want you to think about for a moment. Those of you here in person, those of you out there, faith online, I want you to think for a moment. Do we recognize what we have in church family, do we, do we enjoy 
Do we participate in, in church family, in, in being a family with fellow followers of Jesus? Do we recognize this importance? Do we enjoy it? Do we find mutual benefit? Not just where we benefit from having family, but where we participate in family to be a blessing to other brothers and sisters in Christ. Is that part of your being shaped in his likeness? Is that part of your Christian life? That's something that Jesus calls us to as he says, follow me. So Jesus says, follow me. Why do I, uh, I know I do this occasionally, maybe, maybe more regularly than I think. Why do I often encourage you to put yourself in the story? I'll go ahead and take an answer. What's a risk if you don't put, when you're studying God's word, I often encourage you to put yourself there. Imagine the situation. A few minutes ago, I asked you to imagine what it would be like if Jesus stood here and looked around at you and said, here is my family. What would be the risk if you don't do that? Huh? Yeah, you're just, you're just kind of reading for information. It's impersonal. Yeah, right? There, 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 that would be the risk of, of, of not putting ourselves there and, and not taking the time to see what God has for us is, is just reading through. And I don't know if you're like this, but in the case of someone who's walked with Jesus for a long time, there's a risk of going, I've heard this story before. I've heard the phrase, follow me, before. And now it doesn't seem to mean much. So I often encourage us to put ourselves in the story. I think we followers of Jesus often kind of know some truth about God intellectually. Let's, let's take this ridiculous truth that Jesus is fully man and fully God, that he is somehow at the same time absolutely holy and divine and perfect God himself, and then somehow at the same time he is absolutely fully human flesh and blood and, and experiencing life like us. That's, that's pretty wild, right? But I think there's a way in which we sometimes we intellectually get that. We think, yeah, yeah, Jesus is fully God, fully man. But when we read the Gospels and we read about Jesus' life, do we really? Or are we, I don't, know about, I don't know about, again, I don't know about you, but I think my tendency would be to read the Gospels and read about God's Son. To just read and see that he's God. That that's why he does miracles. That that's why his teaching is so amazing, right? But what about his humanness? We recognize, I think, a lot of times his deity. Do we read the Gospels and consider his humanity. I mean, think about what we have in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Think about the three years of ministry he did walking this earth, in, particularly, in particular, closely with the 12 disciples. What kinds of things did they do in those three years together? We know from reading our Bible, they did things like travel together, right? A lot of walking, probably getting in a boat. We know that they would have had lots of time together, hours together, that they spent time together, that, they, that they, they ate meals together. 
We know that they're, therefore, because of their travels and because of the relationship of, of teacher and his students, because of Jesus and his disciples, because of all this time and travel spent together, we know they would have ate together. We know that they would have spent waking hours together as well as sleeping hours together. So we know there's room in this three years, there's lots of, of place for hanging out. And there's probably things that we know happened with Jesus and his disciples that we know happened, that we know were true, even if we don't quite have it explicitly in the words of our Bible, right? There was probably laughter. There was probably goofing off. There was some boating and there was some fishing. There was praying together. There was giving together. There was serving people together. There was meeting new people. Do we, we often think about the deity of Jesus, but do we read the Gospels thinking about him as a guy, as a man, as flesh and blood, as there with his disciples. And if, you want, if we want to follow, if we want to think of how Jesus made disciples, how did Jesus help people grow in him? It's those ways that I just listed. By being together, by enjoying life together. And what, I can't think of a better way to make this scripture true, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, what, a better, what better way could there be for Jesus to make disciples than just living life with them and helping teach them how, to live, how they could give glory to God in everything they did? Whether you eat, whether you drink, whether you sleep, whether you're awake, whether you do this or do that or have that job or have these friends. That he taught his, his followers how they could give glory to God in everything they did. All right, I tried this a minute ago, uh, uh, getting some participation, asking a couple of you to give me some ideas. And the risk here, uh, maybe it's a stupid idea because you're wearing masks and it makes it difficult to hear. But, um, but I'm going to, anyway, I need your help here. We, the 12 disciples had Jesus in the flesh to live life with. And we don't have that. But for us, life in community can be similar. Life with family, Christian family, can be a way that God works through Christian family in the everyday aspects of life to teach us how we can glorify God in everything we do. So how many of you, uh, quick show of hands, are connected to an ABF or life group, some kind of group within our church family? Awesome. Cool, that's encouraging. Um, and you out there, Faith Online, how many of you are connected to a smaller group of people within our church family? Uh, if you are that's great. We feel like that's a significant help to following Jesus uh, and an encouragement to you as you can be family and you can enjoy the benefit and, and mutual benefit of family. If you're not in a group, we would love to connect you with one. Uh, any of us on staff would love to talk to you about it or get your name written down. Uh, you can contact the church office. You can contact Pastor Ed, any of us really, and we would love to help you be part of a group if you're not already. Uh, in the next several weeks, we hope to start a new one or two. Uh, there's uh, groups that are already existing that have some room and would love to have you join them. So just let us know how we can help you with that. But here's another question for you. Okay, so thinking about a group, thinking about a life group or ABF and relationships you have within the church family, what activities do you do with those people that, are, that remind you of family? You know, what, what are ways that you connect? What are things that you do together that are like family? Let me hear some. Barbecue. Food. Food is very much a family thing, right? I love when family includes food. 
Make sure your family gatherings, church family gatherings, include food. What else? Prayer request, someone, a place for people to pray for you. A place where people know you and you know them and they can pray for you. Yeah. What else do you do? Activities, interactions, uh, ways to connect that are like family. Laughing, being part of life, telling jokes. Yep. What else? Tell stories. Again, I want to I know and be known. What else? What? Work. Work? Yeah, ways to serve, help each other. Uh, there's families have needs, and we can meet each other's needs. You guys are getting deep. I was, like, going to stay a little surfacey first, and, you know. Just ways we hang out, right? Like, we play games. We eat meals. We, we go places together. And now, hey, think of this, too. When we talk about life group connections in our church family, we're not just talking about the whole group all together all the time. Could be relationships you have from your life group, right? Sometimes there's things the whole group does together, but there's also times when it's appropriate that you go, hey, I'm going to Costco. Anybody need to go to Costco? Simple. Life. Being a family. Right? But why do we need spiritual family? Why do we, yeah, why do we need it? Spiritual growth? Because, as Miss Davies reminded us this morning, because iron sharpens iron, that we can spur each other along to know Jesus. Why do we need spiritual family? Do, here's what I would ask. Do you have a place, where, I keep saying this, but where you know others and they know you? Do you have a place, a group of people within our church family, where you mourn with those who mourn, and rejoice with those who rejoice? Do you have a place where people pray for you? Do you have a place where you connect, where you can get support, where you can give support, where you can listen to one another, to be heard, to be cared for? That's why we want to invest in those relationships. So you'll hear us talk a lot around here about life groups. And uh, we'll put on the screen now, life groups, uh, we often talk about these three things with our life groups. So the life in community, uh, life on life, life in community, and life on mission. And those are just ways to remind us of things that we feel like are important, ways that we feel like God can help us grow in Jesus through life groups. Life on life just represents that we want to have relationships with one or two other Christians for that iron sharpens iron thing. That, that within a life group, you ought to have the opportunity to really know one or two other men or, or, or a group of women and, and, and go deep with those people and tell the truth about your life and receive God's grace and receive prayer and, and, and spur one another along toward love and good deeds. That's life on life. Life in community is what we're emphasizing today. Family. Enjoy the benefits that in Christ you have been adopted into God's family and so therefore you have family, life in community, fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus to live life with. And then life on mission is something we're going to emphasize a little bit next week, but that's the living out our faith. That if God is changing me and making me new from the inside out, if Jesus' mission was to make disciples and Jesus says, I want to, he wants to make disciples through us, this is such an awesome responsibility. And it's not a burden. God wants to work in and through you to help others know and follow Jesus. And it's not a scary burden. You know why? Because he's going to do it through you. 
because the Holy Spirit empowers you to do it. It's not something you have to try uh, and, and struggle in your own power and your own efforts. It's something that as God transforms you into a new person from the inside out, part of what you're going to do is make disciples, proclaiming the good news of Jesus to others and sharing God's love with others. And so that's an, an aspect of following Jesus as well that we'll take a little closer look at next week. Church family, the Savior of the world says to you, follow me. The creator of the universe comes to you today, not just back when you, not only when you became a Christian, but the creator of the universe also wants you to know today that he wants to know you, that he wants you to know him, that he wants to make you a new person from the inside out. The Lord and Master the rescuer Jesus invites you. He says, follow me. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word. God, we thank you for the gift of the Bible where we would love to hang out with Jesus in the flesh. We would love to be among an experience like those 12 disciples did. But Lord, since we don't, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for the Bible. We are thankful for the opportunity you have given us to study and to know Jesus and to know his word. So God, I pray that you would help me to be disciplined and committed in my life to studying and reading and learning so that I might obey. God, I pray that for my church family as well. I pray that as we follow you, we would remember the, 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 the reassuring great news of, of today that in you, we are in your family and therefore we have family. God, help us to, to, to quit living alone, to quit striving to do everything on our own, to think that we can get by without your care for us through other followers of Jesus. God, you have made us. You, yourself, God, live in, a, in community, Father, Son, and Spirit. You have made us to live in community, to live in relationship with you and with others. So God, help us to not resist that. Help us to look for ways to be family, to have the mutual benefit, the give and take of being family. Father, we love you. We want to live for you in all we do. As we continue now in worship, Father, as we have the opportunity to give our gifts and lift our voices in song, God, we do so out of thankfulness for all you have done. God, you have called us out of all that you have given us to, to give back of our finances, to give back as a, as a way of tr showing our trust and our dependence on you, knowing that all we have is from you and so we can trust you in every area of our life. And God, even when we're wearing masks, you invite us to lift our voices in worship, in song, in thankfulness for all that you have done for us through Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.